3: My name is Jeffrey Zakarian, and you're listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian from iHeartRadio. In four courses, I'll be taking you along for the ride while I talk with the top talent of our time. In each conversation, I focus on four different areas from my guest's life and career. And during those four courses, I'm going to dig deep and uncover new insights and inspirations that we can all use to fuel ourselves to push forward. My guest for this episode is an Emmy award-winning actress and former beauty queen. She's not only starred in hit TV shows and soap operas throughout her career, but also graduated from Le Cordon Bleu with honors. And her Instagram is full of her family's RV adventures. Without further delay, let's get into my conversation with Jessica Collins.
4: I'm so happy to be here. This is really exciting for me.
3: (laughs) For our first course, I wanted to ask Jessica about her childhood in upstate New York. As the oldest daughter of a hardworking single mom, Jessica got her first taste of the kitchen at a young age, and it opened her mind to the magic of cooking. You being the oldest of five, you were sort of like, I call that the second parent, you know, the first, the oldest, then you're now responsible until they get to a responsible age, but you're always looked upon to be the leader of the pack.
4: I was. uh, So I have twin brothers that are two years younger than me, and I... Obviously grew up with them. Uh, My younger siblings, I was older, so I didn't grow up with them, but they were very much a part of my life. They used to come out for holidays and summers they would come out, and and my sister especially. We are the two girls. We bookend three boys in the middle. So um, she and I are very close. It's a beautiful relationship, but very unique because I am so much older, but she's a lovely, lovely 25-year-old Woman now, and but we do have a, a very unique sister bond.
3: I, I always ask this question because I, I want to know you're from Schenectady, yes. What was it like?
4: Well, I was born in Schenectady, and then the 70s, we actually moved around a lot to Indiana and then back to New York. Uh, but I went to you know, from a seven on, I went to school in Amsterdam, New York, which is even smaller. I come from really humble beginnings, not a lot of money, a lot of difficult times. Just financially, I was a poor kid from upstate New York, but you know, now that's what made me who I am. You know, that's there's so much of my core that comes from that hard-working community and uh and the American dream, really, that if you work hard, if you put the work in, it does pay off. And I'm an example of that. I had, you know, I don't come from a show business family. I come from, you know, hard working, good. Working,
3: hardworking stuff. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I come from Worcester Mass. I know exactly Oh, what you're
4: okay. So about. you know what I'm talking about. So for yeah, sure. and it was
3: I always remember people ask me, What was what would your child look like? And I'm like, it was cold. Yeah. It was really cold.
4: <laughs> That's funny. That's one of the things I remember too. This is the it you was, never forget.
3: The April, March wet cold is yes. sort of, I don't oh. wish that on anyone, you know? And you're just and
4: waiting for spring. Yes, I just waiting I think that for sunshine. I think
3: people that are dreamers come from environments like that. That they well, have to dream and they, they have to do something to get their mind off of how just miserable it is. But I've never <laughs> been to Amsterdam. I've been in Schenectady in Rochester. Okay. In Buffalo.
4: Yes. It's close to Schenectady. It's about, yeah, about 20 minutes from Schenectady. There's all these little lovely towns, Schenectady, Scotia, my dad grew up in Scotia. My mom grew up in Amsterdam. They're all about 15 minutes away. They're just these little tiny, tiny towns. You know, GE is in Schenectady. So that's right. uh, there's a lot of mills. All my grandfathers were mill workers. My parents worked in the mills. My grandmothers, my aunts. Yeah, that's, that's it's, incredible. It's, yes.
3: So when yes. you were growing up, obviously you were one of five, but like, how did food get on the table? That's the first question. And if you close your eyes, and I asked you, whatever age you remember, if you walked in the house, what was the smell in the kitchen? What do you remember <laughs> of either cooking or that was leftover residue? I have a lot of residue smells in my house. You know, back then, the, the wallpaper, all the smells went into the wallpaper. And, yeah. Uh, I want to know what smells came out of your walls or in your mind so that when you close your <laughs> mind and once in a while, we all run into that smell and you're like, oh my God, I know that smell. Can you remember that?
4: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's such a good question. I do. It, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, and and no fault, my mother's going to kill me for this, but it was like a, a musky, like almost like a little mildewy. You know, it was that old. We lived in old houses, and it was damp. Like you said, in the winters, it was damp. Yeah. Like that wet wood smell is what I remember much more than than cooking. My mom was a single mom. She worked Mm -hmm. three jobs sometimes. I was a latchkey kid. I was starting to cook for my family. Not well, but, oh gosh, around 11, 12, I was starting to put things together to help her out. And by about 14, I was making dinner. Dinner was sandwiches and a can of soup, but I was still responsible for it. So there weren't these, you know, wafts of home cooking every night Uh, but my mom did make a really big deal out of Thanksgiving and Christmas I don't know where she got the money I don't we always had presents we always had a, a turkey and a meal I really don't know how she put that all together because she worked so hard for so little so when I think of food smells in my home I immediately go to the holidays and then you know my grandmother was an amazing cook and my aunt who my daughter's named after was really an inspiration a great baker nobody was trained these were all home recipes you know passed down through the generations things they made uh you know cookbooks and then do you remember the plastic box with the little oh, cards yes. <laughs> yes so we had those and you know that's actually how i how i started really Cooking cooking is there was a cookbook and I picked it up and I'd never made a real meal before. And the first thing I ever made was from this book. It was spaghetti and meatballs and a homemade apple pie. And I couldn't believe if you just followed these instructions, this meal appeared. And it it blew my mind the whole idea. And and that was the meal in the moment that really hooked me on to, to cooking and baking.
3: So then, uh, curiously, that didn't resurface until like two thousand and six or seven. You went to culinary school
4: Yes, well, but I didn't stop cooking you know i was i cooking was really my escape from getting knocked around as an actress. Uh, you know, I'd lose a part or have a hard day at work and, and cooking was where I could really center myself again and, and ground myself. I like to cook in quiet, I like to cook. By my, I mean, that's changed now having kids. But early on, I, I used to like cooking by myself. And I found it almost a meditation and a healing for myself. So even my first New York apartments, I was the girl throwing dinner parties at 20 for all my friends. And, and most of my friends in New York, we were not local kids so we all came from somewhere we all felt like orphans and this was a way that we could come together and have a home-cooked meal and and we were a family
3: you have a very studious background i was you know london (laughs) uh the howard fine acting school royal national theater so these are serious serious why did you say to yourself i'm going to london I want to do X, Y, Z, and I need what they provide. Was it that or just you wanted to have, you wanted to paint yourself as someone who could do anything?
4: You know, because of my humble beginnings, college wasn't really an option for me. There wasn't an opportunity financially to do that. And I was very lucky that I went to New York City right after high school. I waited tables for two years and I got a job and that changed my life. I got loving a soap opera in New York. But I always felt I really wanted to study acting. I still love I mean, I went to culinary school in my mid-30s. You know, I, I love education. I, I am a learner. And I think the older I get, the better I get at learning new things uh, and appreciating that I can learn new things. So I kind of always felt like I was catching up on, on something I missed, and I just wanted to find the best opportunities That I could, uh, the things you're mentioning, I had to audition for them to get in. London was, I think they auditioned all over the world and took, I don't remember, like 25 students or something. That was a big deal to get into. That is a big deal. So I was, I was challenging myself in, in that arena as well in, in education and, and I've always studied body movement and voice and, you know, certainly acting classes, uh, just to keep you know to keep myself in shape as an actress and yeah, but, and my well, and my one, brain and
3: yeah but at 20 years old you you land this incredible role that's like 4 or 5 years that's amazing. that's very rare to land that sort of steady gig absolutely in new york city i did a film 100% in new york
4: it did it, we we filmed in oh. uh, a studio it was amazing it was fun that, I mean, again, that job changed my life. It was a soap opera. I did it for three years and I learned from the best and I learned discipline and I learned technique and, and I was so green when I started. That was my first acting job. And I worked with these really, you know, actors from Broadway and uh, the lovely actors we had on our show who really encouraged me. They said, study, study, study. I mean, that was a, a very big influence in my life. To get better at my craft and to make that a lifelong thing that you never stop studying your craft
2: the best conversations i have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking when we're not 100 sure yet what to write hopefully
1: having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view
3: In our second course, I wanted to dig into how Jessica perfected that craft over the course of her career, especially as the film industry has evolved to churn out more and more content on more and more platforms. I started off with a question I've always wanted to ask on this show. We do a lot of live TV and I do a lot of live to tape you know, our shows. Yes, yes. But when we do live stuff, it's so much more difficult because you're, you're thinking out of your body
6: <laughs> because oh yeah. You can't
3: mess up. Hey, yeah. but it's so much more fun. It yes. I ra- I way rather do live. I, I cuz it's just nothing comes up as it should and nothing yes. ends as it should and it's always what it should be. But I'd love to to speak about like the difference between live TV and live theater. What is the oh, difference gosh. between having like 3000 people and having maybe three million, but that experience in front of the crowd versus you're still live, but what's the difference there? Because I've always wanted to ask someone. I've never had that opportunity.
4: What's the difference between theater and between, they're both live. Live and live.
3: It's two lives.
4: I don't know that there is a difference. They're both terrifying. I've always said this, I shouldn't, I'm never going to get hired again, but (laughs) every single time Right before I step on stage, if it's live TV or theater, I, I have this little conversation with my... It's I'm so terrified. And I, I'm never doing this again. What yeah. am I... Why do I why put I myself do? through this? This is awful. And then I get out there and something... Ha- That's why we all do it, right? Something happens. You can't explain it, but it it's the most magical thing in the world. And I, I really have found that you have... Way more experience with this than I do, but cooking live is <laughs> like nothing of yeah. it. Because it's I, like, I it's
3: like, yeah, you know,
4: I can be it's myself. Like juggling knives, totally. I, I can, you know, go out and learn with my learned lines. I can go out and certainly be myself. But mm-hmm. to go out and, and cook, it, it's like going out with a with a pet or a small child. You just yes. don't know what's don't going know. to happen. And again, you get out there, and then it's, it's the most amazing thing in the world.
3: When I do Iron Chef, I go back and I actually say a prayer.
4: Uh-huh, and I, just, uh-huh. I do.
3: I ask God. I'm Catholic. I ask God to give me strength for the next hour. I don't ask yes. for any more than an hour because yes. that, would be, that would be greedy. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And that show is the most traumatic show I've ever done. And people ask me, is it real? Is it? I'm like, it's so real. It's yes. We're like miserable before and happy after but exhausted because that first – when they count down, you're like you oh. want to like almost get sick. And then once yes. you start cooking, you like come out of body and just do what you do well. It's the it's the waiting that's just god awful, right? And I understand yes. that. Yes. But I would imagine Absolutely. that the live audience, people there that you can see and you hear and the, the sort of mess of it all has to be like distracting a little bit. I mean, it could be great, but you have to say, I'm not gonna listen to that guy who sneezed twenty-seven times already in the first four minutes. How do you get beyond
4: that? That's a great question. You know, you go backstage, you go, hey, do you guys hear the guy sneezing 27 times? Unbelievable. Uh, Exactly. um, You just do. You just, you know, that's part of the the gig is that things are going to happen. Again, I think working in soap operas, unless a wall falls down or something, you don't do a second, you don't do a second take, you know? So things do happen. A crew member sneezes or something, or a prop isn't there when you need it. And soaps are a lot like theater in that you shoot it like as one scene and you don't go back unless something really terrible happens. So you learn how to work in those moments and, and make it, if somebody forgets a line, you just keep going and There's something kind of fun about that, too, about making it work with what you have in that one
3: I love that. And I was going to ask you part of what what I want to get to is like, you know, you get to your point in your career, like you keep getting better and refining. How do you keep sharp day after day after day, doing relatively the same thing? And I ask this to a lot of Broadway actors who do the same show every day. And it's the same answer I give, you know, it's different every day you're in a good mood, you're in a bad mood, you just worked out, you feel, you feel awful, you feel good, you feel healthy, you feel your brain is scrambled, you might have had too many margaritas that night. Yeah. How do you pull that, month, I'm not talking day over day, I get that, but like year over year over year to stay fresh so that the, the people that are watching you are actually watching you transform. How do you balance? So when you get off, you get off stage, you're like, okay, I don't have to transform, that's that life. <laughs> I'm going to go back, I got to get groceries
4: yeah, I, cook I, I mean, well, I'll tell you, having a, having a kid helps with that. I can't oh, come home as my character. Uh, <laughs> nobody wants that around here. And yeah, my, the lives are, it's this, it's obviously my, the same life, but it's two sides. Uh, I mean, I think what helps is I really love what I do. I mm-hmm. can't imagine not doing it. I can't, I, I I don't want to retire and the more I do it I've now been acting for over 30 years and so I love it more and more every day so I think that helps a lot and yeah I, I don't sit with my roles I, I credit a lot of my stuff to the soaps that you just you do it and you go home and you know I'm not sitting around brooding about my roles there might be a bad day or something or you wish something happened and you you know it, it does it can eat at me if I think I could have done a better job or I didn't have the opportunity to do something. But for the most part, no, I, I leave usually in a really good mood and, and excited to see the work. And I'm mom when I'm home.
3: Yeah. So you've, you've seen like, you know, 2016, 2017, and you've also seen the 90s. So in yeah. 30 years, what what's happened to the industry as far as, let's just stay TV focused, since you have so much depth of experience there, what has happened to the good and to the maybe not so good? What is it in your industry that's changed since 1991,
4: I mean, until 2016 or 17? Oh, gosh. Wow. So many things. Yeah. I'd like to think, I, we have a long way to go, but I think we're more socially conscious now and about... Hopefully, I like to think about what we're putting out there and how we're portraying people, how we're portraying women and people of color and different backgrounds. Mm-hmm either getting rid of the stereotypes or at least calling them out and making fun of them, which is something we really do on my new show, <laughs> uh, which I, I love, like, you know, it was the eighties, there were stereotypes, there were prejudices, and we really look those in the eye and call yeah. people on it in a, with humor, which I think is always a great way to send your message out there. I think people are much more willing to receive it, but, uh, Yeah. I mean, I think the business is changing. We're seeing, again, I think it has a long way to go, but people have to behave a little better than they did when I first started. Mm -hmm. It wasn't easy being a young woman in the business for any of us and how we were treated and things that were allowed and, and things we had to constantly skirt around to be safe and you know, so I, I think about my own daughter and I think about young yeah. actresses coming up and what I can do. I don't want them to ever go through the things that we all had to go through. And, you know, there were women that came before me that made it better for me. And hopefully I can do the same for the next generation.
3: So what what do you I mean, there's so much content now. I, I try to find something to watch. I'm so exhausted. It takes 10 minutes just to. F- So, there's another network. It was what happened in 24 hours. There's two more networks up. And, like, between Netflix and Hulu and Discovery and all this, it's like, how do you go in there and grab something and say, you know what? I I got this piece. I know how to extract from all this noise, because it's all noise. And some of it's amazingly well funded noise.
4: Are you saying how I pick my my projects to work in or to watch? Both,
3: both, oh, or gosh. to like like? How do you know what landscape is you're working in with the landscape being so vast?
4: Yeah, well, the one you're working in, you never know. You're, you kind of dive in. You know, a television show can change so much from the time oh, no you kidding. get your part, and, and it actually it does. And that's I think that's happened to all of us where you sign on for one thing and it becomes another, and that can be a positive or a negative depending. And as far as being a viewer, again, it always comes back to my kid. I don't watch a lot of TV. Well, I don't watch TV when she's awake. So, you know, my husband and I have about an hour to a night, not every night to watch TV. So it's very, it's very precious time. What are we going to watch? Yeah. What are you going to watch? You know, and it has to be something we both agree on and, and the world makes a difference too. What's going on, you know, with the pandemic, we decided, ooh, no dark stuff. You know, the world yeah. is dark enough. We needed fun and humor and joy. So in that time, we picked uh shows that were uplifting and escapism. And I, I mean, I will say I do wish somebody would come along and kind of combine all these networks to make it easier for us to find the shows we want to find. It is very overwhelming. It's, and probably one of the reasons I don't watch a lot of TV is it just, it takes 20 minutes to find a show literally like on the, <laughs> on the television. So
3: all I get told is we need, we need more content. I'm like, how is that possible? You need more content. Well, but I, is, you came and even watch the content that exists.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know who could watch all the content, but what is nice is that there really is, there's becoming something for everybody. You know, you want to watch a drama, you want to watch a cooking show, you want to watch a building a house. There is something for everyone. You want to learn a new language. I mean, I'm doing this, I'm learning Spanish, and so I'll put something on with the, you know, Spanish with the English subtitles, you know, so there's all, different ways to watch content and to learn from it, as well as be entertained, which I think is really great.
3: You you hit the nail on the head. I I really during that got into documentaries because yes the documentary tells a story of one person, but it also tells a story of the time and what was going on around it. So I think you're right. <clears> there <throat> is It's nice to have all that information. It's sort of like being in a supermarket. you know you, There's so many products. You, I go yes. to the supermarket, I'm so overwhelmed myself, and I'm a chef. I'm like, yes. who needs all this shit? So <laughs> I it's,
4: know. It's, <laughs> That's funny. You know, no one in my family likes to go to the grocery store with me. I love it. I, not only do I, I, I could, I spend hours, but I also, apparently, I've been told uh, that I talk to myself while I'm in ah. the grocery store. Well, I and could I, give
3: you a couple of numbers for that. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're talking to the wrong yes. person, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I love grocery stores. I think it's one of the greatest
4: I do too. <laughs>
3: times is to, I go, I make a list. I'm very specific. And I know what I'm doing. And I actually did an Instagram about how to shop in a grocery store, like go on Tuesdays, oh. eat before you shop.
4: Yes. Uh, oh, very make important. Make a list.
3: I had so many, so many people were fascinated by it. And it's the same thing, as you just said, about, is it Netflix? Is it Hulu? Is it? It's like, it's like shopping. Yes take a deep breath, settle down, figure out what you really want, write it down, and then go look just for that and forget the noise because you won't be able to, it'll take you 20 minutes and then there's your precious hours down to a half hour.
4: Exactly. Yes, absolutely. The
2: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans and yet
1: For our
3: third course, I wanted to continue talking with Jessica about food and dig into her decision to go back to colony school. Turns out, her year at Le Cordon Bleu only deepened her appreciation and respect for food and all the people behind a quality meal.
4: Cooking was always probably my biggest hobby passion. Okay. Uh, I would call it. It's funny to call it a hobby because it is such a part of my life. So it was always there. Like I said, from 16 on. Cooking was, that's how I came home and recentered myself. And I always used to say, you know, one day I'll go to cooking school, one day when the time's right, one day when the time's, well, the time is never right. Never. You're always too busy to make that. That's a giant commitment. And I was around 37, 38. And I thought, well, how about now? Why don't I just go now? So I, I did. <laughs> and I finished. At the time, in L.A., they were offering a night school. So you went 6 p.m. to midnight. I mean, I was a zombie that year because I was also auditioning and working in the daytime as an actress. But I was able to finish. I finished with highest honors. And, you know, again, it became, I I love learning. And it became, uh, I was so proud of being a student and, and learning and, you know, getting A's on my tests and and all of that, and I loved it. I, I loved it, but it it was really. You know what loved. I
3: love about it, and I I know it's it's a personality thing. You have to understand if you're organized and you love organization and lists and learning and checking things off, that's what cooking is. It's like before you make a sauce, you have to have everything ready, and you have to yeah. learn that. So it yes. makes you prepare. You have to prepare before you cook, and then cooking is a a win fail situation. But even yes. if you fail, you learn, and you can actually eat what you fail with. So it's a very strange profession. You fail a lot in cooking.
4: <laughs> you fail a lot. You fail a lot. You do. Uh, you, and do. You, fail. you have you know, to. I don't think it's an accident that I have paralleled you know, acting and cooking. Yeah. There are so many similarities in the two and diving in, and it never comes out the way you think. Sometimes it comes nope. out better. Sometimes you're disappointed. There's a lot of connection to both of them and, uh, and cooking school. I'm, you know, my cooking career is, is, I feel like it's still just beginning. I, I want to get, you know, I've been in front of the camera. I'd like to get behind the camera with food. I like writing about food. You know, I always knew that my, I was studying to go into a world of television and writing and, and all that side of it. But I was in school with real, you know, people on the line and, mm-hmm. you know, the guys that like take the pan out without a potholder, like you know, yep. these tough guys yep. and gals. And and it was an amazing experience to be part of that world. And, you know, that's something that I would have never said. I'm not tough enough. I'll just say it. I am. That is a. Yeah,
3: it's, it's a brutal industry. It's though. a
4: brutal industry. And I have so much respect for how hard, you know, people, I don't think people realize how hard. No,
3: they don't. No, people I, I, I tell people, work. I'm like, okay, what's it like? I'm like, okay, so it's, it's a Broadway show, and every night you play to a packed house, but it's three shows a day breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, yeah. The next day, you got to start fresh. There's no like, it's all torn down, yes. put to sleep, and then you get back up and do it again. And, and then okay. you have 150 people that, on your cast that have to be ready to do the same show. Yes. That's what it's like.
4: Like, and, the, oh. and, there's <laughs> and there's knives. And there's knives and fire. And
3: it's 120 <laughs> degrees, six inches in front of your yes. face. Yes. Yes.
4: Day. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and if yeah. you
3: Don't love it, you're out.
4: Yes. Yes. And those
3: that succeed love it. It's like the best. I know. I know. It's the best pain in the world. Yes. It's the best pain in the world. So, what are you? Are you the chief cook or are you, do you share cooking with your husband? Are you cooking tonight for dinner? Uh, If so, what are you cooking? (laughs)
4: Mm. Let's see. Great question. Well, I've been cooking all week, so tonight—usually
6: one,
4: one night a week—I do. Yeah. Although you know, I mean, I've really been loving it. I was in Mexico for three months shooting this show. And I was, it was the best, greatest thing and the hardest thing. Cause I didn't see my family for three months. I also didn't have a kitchen for three months. It was, I had a lovely room, but there was no kitchen. And so I didn't cook for three months and I've been back now for, uh, I think it's about three or four months I've been back home. And so I just, all I want to do is cook and
2: oh, make best. my own
4: things. And, you know, I kept saying when I was there, I said, I just want to make an omelet. I don't even want to make a meal. <laughs> I just want to make an, an egg, right? If you have an egg, you have a meal. So do. let's see. I made it at the moment. My, my husband's really loving this salmon that I'm making. So last night he got a beautiful plate of, of salmon. That's uh,
3: nice. Where do, where do you go shop?
4: You know, one of the things that happened in the pandemic, it, the pandemic really changed my cooking because suddenly we couldn't get things like a tomato, you know, mm-hmm. and we couldn't get oh, today we can't get flour, and this day we can't get chicken yeah, we forget
3: and how we forget how lucky we are as a as a country, like we have everything amazing
4: how we take things for granted, and we so do. it really changed my connection to cooking, my appreciation for ingredients, and I am a huge supporter of local farmers' markets, mm-hmm. and I would say at the moment. 70% of our groceries are coming from the farmer's market. And now when I go to the farmer's market, you know, I, I take the family and and my daughter is talking to the farmers and, and she's now picking vegetables, fruit. she's picking the fruits she wants in her school lunch. Uh, last Sunday we went and she was having, she's five, she was having her own conversation with the farmer about- Oh my God, is that about, beautiful? About- Baby artichokes and what they wow. are and what they do. And, I, you know, so she said, I'd like to get some of these, mom. And we got them, we brought them home. She thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So now baby artichokes are her favorite.
3: You know what's great about what you said? I want to just get back on that the farmers. Like, it's not a grocery store, the farmers market. No. All those farmers, all those farmers at the market, they're all selling the same thing, exactly the same thing, because they're all selling yes. what's in season. Yes. And you learn to cook what's available. End exactly. of story. Yes, End of story. absolutely. You have to be creative, but I think a lot of people were like woken up by like, oh, there's not a uh, you know there's not a you know pie chart of ingredients from all over the world I can get all the time in my exactly. grocery store. And it shows people what's really fresh and what they're yes. eating. That's how like you having a tomato in January might not be a good idea.
4: Yes, exactly. I see. I think it makes it exciting. You know, you all yes. of a sudden a, a new ingredient pie. Po- oh, look, it's the season as asparagus now and different fruits and you know i think it keeps it exciting i learn more about cooking and and certainly you know the ingredients specifically from the farmers, you know what's in season, when when to buy it. Oh no, you want to wait for this. You want to wait, you know, strawberries. But you know, we have a certain strawberry here that I've been told they come back in January, and I feel like I'm in the know about these strawberries from Orange County. And
3: you've got to grow, you have a fantastic growing season because everyone we do, yeah, you're very lucky. And you know what else is is interesting is that the comments I get is like, you know, I don't go to the market a lot because it's so expensive, and I'm like. That's because it's real people raising real food that they picked this morning. I know, I know. Who
4: got up at three like, in the morning? This is the to food drive. you want to eat.
3: It's there's no yes. crap in it.
4: Yes, I know.
3: I'm like I don't. No, it's, it's not going to be inexpensive. It's going to be a probably the same or a little bit more. But what you're going to get is so much better.
4: In oh, always.
3: Plus, that guy is going to do it again every day for you.
4: Yes. And it's really, you know, it's it's not that much more expensive. And, you know, listen, I mean, no, we could could talk for a whole nother hour about I'd love for this to be available for everyone because, you know, not everyone can afford fresh vegetables and fruit. And of course uh, not. That shouldn't be something for only the people who have the money to buy it. You're also putting, you know, as a, as a shopper, you're putting money into your community. You're putting money into your, you know, you're helping yourself as well. Not only are you getting the best ingredients you can get, but you are, it all works together in helping the community grow.
3: For our fourth and final course, I got to ask Jessica about her love for RVs of all things. If you scroll through Jessica's Instagram, you'll see picture after picture of gorgeous RV glamping vacations with her husband and daughter. I wanted to know, how did a kid from Schenectady, New York, find her way into all of this? Turns out, this is a newfound passion. I saw that you're an RV enthusiast. Yes. (laughs) Very much so. Where did that, I mean, growing up in Amsterdam, New York, how did you become an RV enthusiast? And when did you have your first RV experience?
4: (laughs) Uh, No, no, no. One year ago, and nobody's more surprised. (laughs) No one's more surprised than me. My husband's been trying to get me to rent an RV since I met him. And I'm no, I am foofy hotels and fancy sheets and towels and room service. That's how I like to roll. All about the thread count. And I said, That you know, you go do that on your own with your buddies or something. That is not for me. And then the pandemic happened. And we hunkered down and we were in the house and at the time with a four-year-old that's you know I, I now know I can survive anything we constantly have been thinking outside the box and what can we do and we rented an RV just to get out just to get out and we're travelers by nature so and we hadn't been so this was maybe six months into the pandemic we said let's just we got to get out and do some. My husband's a writer, so he. Mm-hmm. We were very lucky that he was able to work during that time from home, and I was too afraid to leave the house, so I didn't leave till the following year. But we rented an RV, and it and it changed our lives. And we bought one. I mean, we basically bought an RV on the internet.
6: <laughs> Look at you! If <laughs> and, I told uh,
4: you you would like, be this doing this five years we, ago, we noticed like, no, I would have never thought this was. Um, but you know, every it's we. I feel like in our circle, all of our friends, everybody did like a little, maybe not that extreme, but everybody did something crazy. We have one, one of my dear friends. They sold their house and they moved to Chicago, and they've never been happier. And that was our crazy thing. We bought an RV, and we've fallen in love with it. That also, like you know, no surprise the kitchen in the RV is my domain and I'm now making recipes for the RV and coming up with clever things in my kitchen and, that's where we found joy and freedom and family and, and togetherness and, and nature. I mean, I think just being connected to nature really helped uh and I, I say that like I'm some kind of nature girl and I'm really not, but um <laughs> but this i I mean I guess I am. I guess you know, this is where I we really found such healing. Just being outside and being in the woods and having our house with us wherever we go, like traveling in this tiny house. If I could do it full time for a while, I would. We can't. I mean, that's insane right now. But, uh, yeah, so we, so we take it out about once a month. we we take it wow. out. Wow, and, and
3: your daughter must love it. I mean, it's like she it's like
4: a loves playhouse: for her. Yeah, she's got the top bunk like her like, oh her my own. God. she's the only one with her own room. She's got that and she had all her stuffed animals up there, and she decorated it pink and uh, So what you
3: have an electric oven or is it propane?
4: The oven is uh, propane and, and the, uh, the top
3: is gas too.
4: Yeah, gas. and then there's a, then there's a microwave, which I'm probably going to switch out for a, a little convection oven. You know, it depends where we are. It depends if if we park somewhere where we have electricity. Right, exactly. Sometimes you have to, you you switch it up. So sometimes you use gas, sometimes you use propane, sometimes you use electric. Uh, Sometimes you you go outside,
3: you build a a fire outside too. We do
4: that. Yeah, you go outside and you roast hot dogs on a fire, which we do that as well. Uh, My daughter's been, you know, because we cook a lot together. So she's been big into uh, putting things in foil. And throwing them ah. on the fire, and then opening it and seeing what you know—bananas and marshmallows and chocolate—and let's put this together and see what happens.
3: And it's so fantastic. It's really so it—it it, it sounds like I always talk to you about your future. It sounds like your future has some sort of culinary roadmap attached to it, or either pulling it, I, or you're pushing it, or pulling yeah. it, or what is it? I don't know what it is, but what do you think? What's what's in store for you in this this newfound? So, yeah. what is the next five years you think, and how is culinary going to affect it? Because it's, it's what everybody wanted to do in the pandemic. It's like everybody became a chef. But I think it's great. I mean, we all ate, and you know, you go back to your. It's, I said people go back to their caveman instincts, and you have to eat and go to the Abs- and use the toilet. So, what did people worry about? The toilet and eating <laughs> was all it was. Yeah.
4: I mean, this happened in my own house. I started cooking with my family more. I started teaching my daughter how to cook and yeah, there wasn't anything to do. So I I hope family meals have come back a little more. I think that's so important to eat with your family. But getting back to your question, yeah, I I think I'm just scratching the surface, the be just the beginning of my culinary adventures. And there's definitely something with the RV and cooking on the road. That is its own unique hobby that I've been doing the last year. And, and you know, and we do themes. I mean, we, we, we do New Orleans. Like we took a New Orleans RV trip and, you know, there's the Christmas trip. There's the, we took the unicorn trip. Uh, and they all have food-related things going on with them. So food is such a part of our family and, and such a part of our lives.
3: I think that's a show right there. I mean, I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, I mean I that would be fantastic. Absolutely. I think you have
3: a point there. I think you got something. I really do. And I think it's, if I may say so, organic.
4: Ah (laughs) even though I hate that word. Yes, I It's very organic.
3: (laughs) Well, Jessica, thank you so much. I'm sure you have a long day ahead. Maybe you're hitting the market for the weekend.
4: Yeah. Thank
3: you very much. Thank <laughs> thank you for sharing some time on Four Courses. I really, really appreciate it and have a fantastic weekend.
4: This was so much fun. Thank you for having me.
3: Thanks very much for listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian, a production of iHeartRadio and Corner Table Entertainment. Four Courses is created by Jeffrey Zakarian, Margaret Zakarian, jared Keller, and Tara Halper. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. Four Courses is produced by Jonathan haas Dresler. Our research is conducted by Jessalyn Shields. Our talent booking is by Pamela Bauer at Dogtown Talent. This episode was edited and written by Priya Mahadevan and mixed by Joe Tisdall. Special thanks to Katie Fellman for help as recording engineer. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.